0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pull Up and Thrive. I'm your host, Stephen Caps, and I am super, super excited about this bonus episode today. On a previous episode, I had mentioned that I was invited to go to Nashville to be on the Entree Leadership Podcast. Well, it came out December 20th. I wanted to make sure and listen to it to be sure that I was happy with it before sharing it with you. I am beyond happy. This is a very, very, very proud moment for me, and I'm glad that we can share this together. Now, if you're not familiar with Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey is on the radio every day. He is your build a budget, get out of debt guy. Now, Entree Leadership is his business and leadership spoke of Ramsey Solutions. 10 years ago, he wrote a book called Entree Leadership. Well, this is the 10-year anniversary of the book. And in the Entree Leadership spoke of their business. They have events, coaching. Well, I have been part of their coaching program for about four years. And I started with them in not a negative a position, but really struggling. And then we've gone Zoom, Zoom, since we have been in their program. And I guess that I am sort of like a case study for them, if you would. So they invited me to go to Nashville and be on their show. Now, their podcast is a national platform. They have about 200,000 listeners every week, and it's a weekly podcast. So they have about 10 million downloads a year. So it's a big, big deal. I was invited to be on the show, which was beyond wow. They shot me an email, would you like to be on the show? And I said, does Dave Ramsey hate debt? Which the answer is yes. So I really, 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 really prepared for the show. And I may do another episode and fill you in on what that means. But I took this very, very seriously as a huge opportunity and I didn't want to blow it. I didn't want to screw it up, and I didn't want my part of the show to end up on the cutting room floor. So we recorded for about 25 or 30 minutes, and my concern was I was going to be a 30-second blip on the show. Well, the show came out on a December 20th, and my segment in the audio ver- version is about 20 minutes. So very, very pleased with not only how much of my content w- actually made the show, but I was very happy with the quality of my presentation, if you would. And they also have a YouTube version of the show, and there's a little bit more, um, probably, probably an extra 10 minutes on the YouTube version. So what I will do is I will connect a link in the show notes to the YouTube video and over to the Entree Leadership Show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. I have gotten lots of calls and uh, text messages, people saying that they've listened to the show and it's impacted their life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So without further ado, here is Stephen Caps on the Entree Leadership
1: Program. Remember the year 2011? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a blur for me too. But 10 years ago, this podcast had just started to promote a new book by Dave Ramsey. That book, you guessed it, Entree Leadership. From the Ramsey Network, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where we help business leaders grow themselves, their teams, and their profits. I'm your host, George Camel, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the book, Entree Leadership. So our first guest today is the author himself, Dave Ramsey. He's the CEO of Ramsey Solutions and a seven-time number one national best-selling author, one of those being Entree Leadership. He's also a personal finance expert and host of The Ramsey Show. In our conversation, you'll hear about the genesis of Entree Leadership, which didn't start as a book idea, but instead was born out of necessity. We'll also talk about the impact that these principles have had on leaders like you and what Dave has learned in the decades since the book released. Our second guest today is the CEO of Texas Gates, Stephen Capps. He's been a business owner since 2003 and has overcome unbelievable adversity, both personally and professionally. He'll share his story of being on the brink of bankruptcy to now running a seven-figure debt-free business, thanks in part to the Entree Leadership Principles intersecting his life. Up first, my conversation with Dave Ramsey. So Dave, we're here celebrating 10 years of Entree Leadership, the book. In 10 years, what has aged
2: better, you or the book? <laughs> the picture on the book.
1: <laughs> that You know, it stayed perfect all these years. Well, this is exciting because the impact this has had, I know it's something that you've hoped for, that you expected even, but it really has turned into so much more than the book. It's turned into an entire brand. And I want to go back to over a decade ago when this was just... An idea something that you kind of stumbled upon where were you at as a leader and in the business
2: well we were starting to discover what we now teach in entree leadership and and I've, I taught it just a few months ago in entree master series uh, that this idea that delegation is only possible when you can trust someone's competence and their integrity. Incompetence includes: Are they going to do the thing the way you want it done, the way you would do it? Can they finish your sentences? And so, I, I had reached the point in the company that I had people who knew how to do stuff; they just weren't doing it the way I do it necessarily. Or they're, you know, they'd be like ninety-five percent there, but that other five percent was was an irritant, it was an aggravation, and it's like, no, no, if you would just do it just a little bit over that, now you got it, okay, and and so I I decided that if we were going to have leaders that I could delegate to, that I was going to have to teach them the Ramsey way of doing that thing, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's accounting, Whatever the subject is in business, what would Dave do? What would Ramsey do? And if they know that, then they have the opportunity to go do it. But I can't really hold them accountable or delegate to them if they don't know what to do. So we decided we're going to start teaching Okay, here's how we do marketing. Here's how we do sales. Here's how we do finance. Here's how uh, we manage cash. Here's how we manage customer complaints. Here's how we hire, how we fire. And that's that was the genesis of the whole thing.
1: So it was kind of in your head, and you had to put it on paper in order to teach it and go, here's how we
2: do it. Yeah, I was already doing it. I just had to put it down, you know, and so I would get off the air. And, sit, you know, we were doing a, uh, we do a lesson at uh, five o'clock on Tuesday evening is, was our time. And so, because we closed at 530 and it was an hour long. And I told him, if you want to learn leadership, it's not required you come to this class, but you're not going to be a leader if you don't come to this class. So it's okay. If you don't want to be a leader, it's okay. It's not required, but this is not a mandatory, but. Come in there if you want, and we'll start at five, and I'll give you 30 minutes on the clock, and you give me 30 minutes off the clock for your self-improvement, and I'll teach a lesson. And I literally would come off the air at four o'clock and sit down and type out a lesson and uh, run it, you know, with a fill in the blanks, and because I knew what I wanted to say, it didn't take long, and then I'd just go to the copier, run them off, and three-hole punch them. And you know, there's 40 people in there, 30 people in there. So I just run them off myself. I did it all myself and wow. walk in there with the overhead projector and start writing on it and start teaching.
1: And this was all really birthed out of pain points you were feeling as a business owner and a leader going, hey, I need people to do it this way. And that's kind of a cool genesis for Entree Leadership.
2: You can't delegate. No one listening. Can delegate if the people that you're delegating to don't know how to do it the way you want it done. Now, it, whatever it is, and so uh, I can't delegate a difficult conversation. I can't delegate a uh, handling a problem customer. I can't delegate whatever it is until they know how we're going to do it here. They may have done it a different way at their other place. They may have specialized knowledge in their particular discipline. All of that's a possibility, but I've got to have them in sync. you got to be able to finish each other's sentences.
1: Yeah. So this started as, as a class and obviously it worked as you started to develop leaders in the company and we started growing, but it became more than just a class at some point. Walk us through that journey from class to kind of where Entree Leadership is at today.
2: Well, we were doing the class, and Daniel Tardy was uh, a young you know, upstart with the company, and he was selling stuff over in the ELP side, in the endorsed local provider side. And he came to the class, and he was just enamored with the material. And he said, if we ever do anything with this, I want to help. I want to be part of it. So I went to the guy at the time that was running our live events, and I said I think we can do a, a business event with this material let's see if we can sell a ticket or two on the radio and uh and, and Daniel Tardy probably help us do that so actually the three of us sat down and said oh, okay let's have a an entree leadership event um and we did and there was probably 50 people or something like that and uh, then there was 100 and then there was 150 and then we decided to do some events uh, at some all-inclusives at resort areas like down in Cancun and that kind of thing and it it just, the brand kept growing and growing and growing and these events were, you know, they were profitable and they were fun and and it was really striking a chord with the small business community because I love small business people. I am one And, and this was like, this is like real world stuff. We really do this crap you know it's not just some professor that's on tenure that's never made payroll you know this is not business theory I'm, I'm in the trenches every day matter of fact i did it 10 minutes before i walked up on stage here and teach you the same stuff I, that i just did you know and so that's it really resonated with what has become the entree leadership tribe the community around this and it's just um you know because it was stuff we were already doing that was successful and
1: so all of these events led to you going, all right, we need to put this in a book. We need to package this up so that anyone can go buy a book and get all of this information.
2: I mean, we worked that event schedule for several years. I don't remember how many exactly. And then we finally just said, you know, this thing really could be, uh, th- th- we've got enough brand momentum here. There's enough people involved in this tribe that I think we could sell enough books to make it a bestseller. And uh, and so, you know, we sat down and and decided to uh, begin negotiating with publishers on who would get the rights to the book and so forth and uh, and we were right I mean it went zoom zoom it's it's a huge book
1: over the last ten years that it's been out I'm sure you've heard tons of stories of the impact it's had you've heard personally from you know our attendees and clients at entree leadership events does anything stand out to you as far as the principles that were in the book and how they've helped business owners listening
2: you know I think the the times that I know that it, it's right and that it's the right book for the right time and that, it's, and that the material is, is the truth and it's real and it's helpful is when I run into someone who is very, very insecure in their business acumen. Like they got this thing going and it feels like they're riding the bull and they don't know how to ride a bull. I mean, this is it's out it feels out of control to them and they've got that look in their eye that's a little bit it's half fear, half desperation, and half excitement. You know, there's three halves there. It's it's a wild time, you know. So and then this material is inserted and I sit and talk to them afterwards and they go, you know, I read this book and oh my gosh. This this really gave me the power. Get up above this thing that was kind of riding me I started riding it instead uh, so I guess I twisted the metaphor but still the, the, you know that that's the idea and then the second thing that I've enjoyed with the book is we've hired so many people over the years you know we've got a thousand folks plus now on the team and the number of times I am with uh, our team members after 90 days I always get with all the new team members and go okay what kind of finish up your onboarding here, uh, you're now officially a team member, and what is one of the things you, that your aha moment from being here 90 days? You're like, wow, I kinda, that kind of was awesome, caught me off guard. Give me something that you feel great about, Ramsey, now that you're here. And um, a lot of times, you know, I read Entree Leadership, and my aha moment is that the business is really run like you said it was the audio matches the video you know and he goes wow i was just i was a little bit afraid that the book said it was all you know uh skittles and unicorns or whatever and rainbows and and then we get in here and he goes we really do this stuff
1: yeah. A lot of the times, you know, you work somewhere and, and they don't really practice what they preach. And right. the core values are just a thing they put on the wall versus something that we, we live out. These aren't all aspirational. This is who we are. And I love that about Entree Leadership. And we make a required reading. A lot of people don't know that. When you start here, you get a nice stack of books to read. Mm-hmm. And one of those is Entree Leadership because you have to understand the way that we do leadership here at Ramsey if you want to be here long term.
2: Well, that's our current version of going through the class with the overhead projector in the old days you know i mean you need to know this is how we do it here and that'll help you make decisions as a team member when you're faced with something you know because you read that and then if you did something the way we said to do it in the book and then we really can't complain we really have to go way to go you know good job
1: yeah so in 10 years of of this book being out you've changed a lot as a leader you've experienced a lot as a business owner if you were to write entree leadership 2.0 today what would you add to that
2: Contrary leadership has always been, the material in general, and included the book, has always been our playbook. This is how Ramsey does what we Ramsey does. This is, this is who we are. This is what we do. And so the, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that has changed since the book was written all the 10 years ago is the digital marketplace. And uh, the way that we think about products and the digital world is a little different than you think about products in the analog world. Uh, you still have to do sales and marketing. You still have to provide value. You still have to solve a problem. You still have to scratch the itch. You still have to be entrepreneurial. But the process that you use to, for delivery of that product and for the design of that product and the production of that product, that digital product, uh, this podcast being one of those, you know, that the, those things are different. And so, you know, we would probably rewrite some of those chapters. I think there's probably a chapter on advertising that's completely outdated or something, you know, but, uh, cause I used to teach on direct mail and stuff like that, which basically doesn't exist hardly anymore, uh, to amount to anything. It's not a, it's not a valid thing that most people use um and you know by the time i write the chapter on email then it'll be irrelevant right so the the, you know the digital landscape has moved a lot of things here's the good news though the principles that really made entree leadership great have not changed uh treat other people like you want to be treated whether it's your customer whether it's your team members Uh, be outrageously generous stay out of debt serve don't sell and the money will take care of itself. These principles are human principles and business principles that don't shift. How we get them done has changed. Digital being an example versus analog. That's not a principle. That's a how you get it done versus, you know, how you get your marketing done is way different than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. So some of the
1: processes have changed just because of advancement in technology and, and that kind of thing. But the principles, the values that are in this book are timeless, Absolutely. So we have developed some new pieces in Entree Leadership that really aren't new to us. We've just figured out a way to to put them in a framework. And one of those is the the six drivers of business and the five stages of a business. Walk us through kind of how those were developed and how that uh, interacts with the Entree Leadership material.
2: And, you know, that that would be in the new book. I I should have said that. Um, So thanks for circling me back on that. But uh, because that is the clear path that we've always used but it was a little fuzzy we didn't know how to describe it and so we needed to give uh how you get there a a clear set of narratives and uh, and you need to clearly define what there is you know and so the five stages of business were born from treadmill to legacy builder all the way through and we started looking at yeah that's the stages we went through and that's the stages we've uh, that were observable with 10 20,000 companies we've now coached over the last uh, 15 years or so and so those five stages are very clear and then what it means to graduate from what you need to do, what, you, what tool you need to add to your belt to move from uh, one stage to the next stage to level up. Um, and, and then the six drivers, um, in a sense, we, we had spent a lot of time talking about. We've had so much success communicating with the customer and, and motivating them and giving them traction uh, with the seven baby steps on the financial side that we wanted baby steps for the business side. For the Ontario leadership, and they just didn't work. It could we couldn't figure it out because the baby steps are linear And business. You know, you know, you get to baby step seven, what do you do? Quit? You know, I mean, it's not it's, that's not the point. And so that's how the five stages were born, and then the six drivers are circular, meaning that a, as you move all the way around from the personal driver, the first one to the sixth one, profit, you start again. And uh, so they're circular. They have a flywheel-esque feel to them. And we've spent years arguing through and wrestling these two concepts of stages and drivers to the ground to get it to work. And, man, I got to tell you, we found it. This is is the thing. As a matter of fact, just uh, maybe a quick read, a, a small book could be written on exactly how the five stages work and how the six drivers work as you go through those five stages. Do you only spin them do you only spin that driver, that flywheel, five times? No. You I think we've probably done it at least 10 times here. Mm -hmm. I can go back to milestones and go, okay, and then we got the people thing to another level. And then we got the profit thing to another, we got the product to another level. And then we got personal growth was in the way. And I had to become a different level of leader. Um, You know, the the time I distinctly remember learning intellectually and and then emotionally accepting this idea of strategic thought versus just tactically getting crap done. Because I was just scrapping and clawing. And and I remember making that move. And then how the business just, once I got out of the way, because, and everybody started going, okay, we have to do tactical, we have to get our work done, and we have to get above our work to make sure we're doing it in the most efficient way, the shortest distance between two points. Because you can't see that when you're in the ditch, yeah. fighting and scratching and clawing. So I, I remember these milestones through this place, and a lot of them had to do with me being in the way, and once I would learn something and get out of the way, then we could go there, so the personal, then that spins that wheel, and you go, okay, and then that affects the product, and that affects the profit, and that affects the people, and then you get to the top, and you've got yep a larger now organization, more people, more money, more sophistication, then you got to do it again, you got to level up again, and so I think we've spun through those six drivers probably about 10 times around here.
1: Wow. Yeah. And in hindsight is where you learned exactly what you did and why you did it. You can point back to those moments. And I've seen
2: it with all the people we've coached in Entree too. And our Entree leadership coaches have verified, you know, this is exactly what's holding that woman up, that guy up. And when they start doing that, oh, there they go, you know, and we turned them loose. And so I'm really, really excited about the clarity that the six drivers are giving our audience. uh, Because it's kind of like we just, side we finally got it because it was this pent-up frustration we couldn't put a narrative to how to do it how to visualize it and when we finally all got that dialed in and the team here worked really hard on it and i, I was i love getting into that kind of stuff too and so i I was involved in it and and certainly you know signing off on it because this is what happened
1: yeah well, talking about these five stages, as, as we're kind of in this legacy building stage and you start to delegate, uh, Daniel Ramsey, your son, has taken over uh, leading Entree Leadership as the EVP. And so I want to talk about the future of Entree Leadership. What are you most excited about for the next decade of Entree Leadership?
2: Well, Entree Leadership has world-class coaching right now. Our advisory groups and our executive coaching program is second to none. It is off the charts. We have world-class, unbelievably fabulous events. The Entre Leadership Summit is very possibly the best leadership event in America. It's off the chain. And Entree Master Series is very much meat and potatoes and, you know, really hands-on stuff. And people, come, it's rich, rich of soul. Those two live event products are just And so now we've got to get the digital piece uh, of Elite where people can access the content on their own time, they can access coaching and community on their own time, they can access tools on their own time. It's good, but we've got to get it to world class. And that's what Dan Ram and the team are really leaning in on. We're going to continue to produce the other stuff at world class level, but that's the thing that needs to level up around here. And, uh, as that levels up, the scale of the number of small businesses we can impact is going to be going through the roof. Uh, and, and because the accessibility to the content is just 24 seven and we will have, you know, we will have gone through the iterations to figure out exactly how The the small business person is going to consume the material, consume the tools, use the tools, contact their coach, uh, be in a community, be in a mastermind group and have the discussions with their advisory group and all of those kinds of things. So how to weave all that together in a digital format that's the work that's in front of us, but it's also the opportunity that's in front of us.
1: Yeah, I love talking to business owners and leaders at our events and just hearing their stories and how the Entree Leadership Principles interacted with their personal lives, their professional lives to impact their business. And it's fascinating to meet them year after year and they go, oh man, we doubled our business last year. We did this and we used the drivers and we did, th- we're in this stage now. And I love hearing those updates. It's just
2: absolutely inspiring. When those light bulbs come on above their head, it's almost like a cartoon and then they run home and do the stuff. And then immediately, six weeks later, call us back and go, it worked. And of course it worked. We knew it was going to work. But it's just there's this excitement, this enthusiasm when you've well, when you're frustrated as crud and then the, and then you see a way through the forest, you know, you, you got your machete out, but you're just tired of beating the trees and beating the brush with this machete. And all of a sudden there's light out there and you go, oh, ah! you know, there's something that happens with that. It's powerful.
1: Yeah. We give them the tools and empower them to do it and they go do the hard work. Exactly. I love that. So before we leave, I've got you here. You've been in leadership now for 30 years now. I want to know what is the leadership advice you find yourself giving the most?
2: You know, I don't know if um, it's advice as much as it is just empathy that um, I don't think you ever arrive when it comes to dealing with your team, dealing with people. You ever arrive at a place where uh, there's not something there that's disappointing you inside the people side of the equation, and there's not something there that's really exciting, and really rewarding and so you know we've got people on our team that have just they have become the best version of themselves while on this team and that is what you want if you're leading and then you've got people that have just done horrendously horrible i mean horrible things and so you've got the scars And you've got the, uh, if you've been doing this a while, and and you've got this richness of soul uh, of the times it's gone right. And uh, there's plenty of both, actually. But to sit with someone and just share with them that that is the journey, and they go, oh, God, I thought it was just me the empathy of just going that's the journey and instead they go i thought i thought i was the only one that dealt with my bookkeeper ripping me off and i thought she was like a sister to me and it's just the money's gone but you know what i I, I just it hurts so bad it's hard for me to trust again or i thought i was the only one that get tears in my eyes when i see one of my young leaders step up and really step into the shoulder and and things go really good and they they open their mouth and wisdom beyond their ears comes out and some of those words were my words that i inserted into them and i get to see that as a leader and when they you know this is a entree leader playing this back to me they go i thought i was the only one that had that that joy that richness of soul and so it's not really advice it's just going hey this is the journey this is what it's about and the people piece of it is um is the most rewarding and the most frustrating. And to just get to sit with entree leaders and say that out loud, and they go, oh, I thought I was the only one. Me too.
1: That's incredible. Well, I can tell you in my eight and a half years here, the way that these principles have impacted me personally and professionally is I, I can't even put it into words. So I'm just grateful for the work that you've done for 30 years, but especially the last 10 with the Entree Leadership book being out there and impacting so many business owners to lead better, to make themselves better, the impact is innumerable. So I'm excited to see what the future holds, and I'm grateful for your time, Dave.
2: Thank you, George. You're one of the superstars I was just talking about. So (laughs) we're so we're so happy and so proud of you. Appreciate that.
1: Thanks so much, Dave, for coming on the podcast and sharing some of those amazing stories. You know, the impact these principles have had is what keeps our team fired up here at Entree Leadership. So up next, I talk to Stephen Caps, a small business owner from Texas and a member of Entre Leadership Elite. He shares his incredible story of personal and professional growth over the last decade. I'll be talking to Stephen right after this. What are your goals for next year? Do you want to open a new location, hire five new team members, maybe roll out a new product line? No matter what the goal is, you need a solid strategic plan to get there and a community of people in your corner to help you achieve it. With an Entree Leadership Advisory Group, you'll connect with like-valued business owners who will give you the advice, encouragement, and accountability you need to crush your goals in 2022. So stop doing business alone and apply for an advisory group today. Don't wait. Spots are filling up. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Think about it, just as your business would fail if you only focused on your hobbies, your personal life would suffer if you put all of your effort just into the organization. Thankfully, our friends at Belay understand this and they have a deep bench of virtual specialists ready to help. It's time to set and achieve goals not only for your business, but for yourself personally. To help you get started, Belay is offering their resource, Three Tips for Setting Personal Goals as a Busy Leader. You'll get practical, actionable steps to help you start prioritizing your goals. Accomplish more and juggle less with Belay. Just text the word "entrée" to 55123 for your free download from Belay. That's E-N-T-R-E to 55123. Hey, guys. Literally, this one is just for the guys. In the past 90 days, how often have you found yourself doom-scrolling the news or wasting time on your phone or staring at screens? Do you feel disconnected and out of whack and wish you could be more connected to your friends, your wife, your kids? Well, our friends at Exodus 90 can help. It's a 90-day program for men that helps you refocus and get back to what really matters. It starts in the new year, and every week you can join in person or virtually. Learn more at exodus90.com slash That's exodus90.com E-N-T-R-E. All right, we're back with Stephen Capps, CEO of Texas Gates. We're going to talk about his story of going from the brink of bankruptcy to now running a debt-free seven-figure business. Enjoy our conversation. Steven, it's great to have you on the Entree Leadership Podcast.
0: Well, I'm super beyond excited to be here.
1: We've had the pleasure of meeting before at some of our Entree Leadership events, and I love your story. And as we celebrate the 10-year anniversary of the Entree Leadership book, you came to mind as someone who has exemplified these principles, overcome adversity, and achieved some amazing impact in your business. So I want to talk about your story here. Uh, You are the CEO of Texas Gates. How did you get started in business?
0: Well, we have to back up just a little bit. It was 2001. I was 27 years old. I was at the last of my friend group to uh, get married. I was like, I'm never going to get married, you know, because I'm so old, you know, 27. But um me and my wife pull up to the private reception, you know, and it was like one of those top of the world epic moments. And we jump out of the chauffeur vehicle and we uh, get married buy the house because we've been married for two minutes, so we had to have a house. Well, we started working for her dad in her dad's still business. And a year later, whenever her parents moved out of town, they gave us uh, the company. Wow. And uh, people are are like, oh yeah, wow, that's awesome. Well, what it amounted to was we got a forklift, a welding machine, and a business that didn't make any money. (laughs) But fortunately, there was one big customer that was basically helping to keep the doors open. And so we worked super hard, we worked extra jobs, maxed out our credit cards, and in two years, we made it. And what what I mean by making it was we started paying ourselves. And it was that moment where I think all entrepreneurs have like, this crazy idea is actually gonna work. And I had had a dozen harebrained ideas, and I finally had this idea of making custom driveway gates. And it took off, like zoom, zoom. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so we had a couple of employees. And then Elisa goes in for what we felt like was a routine surgery. Um, she was, she was going to have her gallbladder removed. And they were doing some other exploratory surgery. So not a big deal. Well, about an hour into the surgery, her doctor comes into the waiting room And I was there with my parents and a few uh, family friends, and the doctor drops a bomb. Says, you need to get your wife's affairs in order. She has stage three ovarian cancer.
1: And that began a a journey for you guys, personally, while you're trying to run this business. Right.
0: And so, uh, the game plan was three rounds of chemo, cancer, surgery, to go and remove uh, the tumor, and then three more treatments. And so, it was like, hey, no big deal. Well, if you've ever gone through cancer or you know someone who who has, it's brutal. But uh, we were like, uh, game on. We are going to fight this thing. We are going to beat this. So... After the third round of chemo, we go in for the surgery. And at this time, all of our friends are having kids. But instead, we're going to the hospital for cancer treatment and a full hysterectomy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But we had made the decision that we're going to adopt. So this is just one more hurdle to get over. And then we're three more treatments and it's over. We're done. So we go in for the surgery and the doctor comes out and we're expecting for him to say that the surgery went great and she's in the recovery room. But instead he says that the cancer is spread and there's nothing that we can do. So over the next 15 months, we prayed, we believed, we questioned, we doubted, and we fell more in love. Then one week before Christmas, 2006 Lisa passes away and we had no life insurance no health insurance no savings just a pile of debt so I had no other choice but to go back to work immediately and she ran the office and the books and I ran the shop and i knew nothing about what she did i mean i knew enough to get myself in trouble <laughs> and so I, I go back to work and hire a string of the wrong people and just trying to make it from one day to the next i'm trying to keep this business going trying to keep my life going i knew i didn't know anything wow. uh, about finances or a business. And so here I am, a man that's a dead inside. And all my friends are like, oh, you are going to get married again real soon and all this. And I was like, no, I could be single for 10 years. And I then I had friends trying to set me up with their friends that had a good personality, you know. And then out of nowhere, Sarah comes in to my life. I wasn't looking, I wasn't, you know, you know, I'm just minding my own business. So Sarah comes in to my life. And so a man who was dead inside, I'm alive again. And our wedding was three months later, which is crazy. <laughs> it was, it was a whirlwind and everyone was so excited because everybody knew what I had gone through, the hurt and the pain and the loss and, and, and the wedding was like redemption. It was, I was being restored. So it was another one of those epic, top of the world feelings like, wow, I am starting a new life. Because whenever Lisa died and I turned and I walked away from the gravesite, I felt like my life was over. But really, that was, this,
1: that was only the beginning of my hardship, Yeah, so you had this moment of redemption as you get married to Sarah, but it was just a moment. What happens next?
0: Well, we go on our honeymoon, and it was like an East Coast journey. We flew into Portland, Maine, and we drove down the coast to New York City and Washington, D.C., and it was like, this is awesome. But then I get two phone calls, and this is what I call the beginning of the crashing and burning of my life. The first phone call was from one of my employees saying his payroll check just bounced. Hmm. And the second phone call was from my secretary saying that the largest customer just canceled a $30,000 purchase order. So we were crashing already, but now we're on fire. (laughs) So we're crashing and burning. And I hang up the phone. Sarah doesn't know anything. And I didn't know what to do, what to say, and... I just continued to work hard in the business
1: because that was all that I knew was hard work. You thought I could just outwork all of my problems. Right,
0: right. You know, I will just work harder, longer. And there I am on the treadmill. I'm on the treadmill, metaphorically speaking. And in walks one of our vendors and he sits down across from me at my desk and says, you owe us $6,000 we, and we need our money it may as well have been $6 million because I didn't have it. But I owed them 6000 plus I owed about a half dozen others that or more.
1: Mm. What did your debt amount to at that point?
0: Um, around 250000
1: Wow. And you just felt this mountain of debt you couldn't crawl yeah. out of and at every corner people are saying, hey, you owe me money. Right. And we right. lost this client. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was a client that was
0: going to help us get out of this. It was like I owed... Friends and family money. It was like, I owed everybody money. But, but that was the moment that I was like, all right, no matter how I got here, it's my responsibility to get out of this mess. So you took ownership. And I have a saying, no excuses. Because I have a thousand reasons why I should be a middle case. First of all, I'm a PK, a preacher's kid. And if that's not bad enough, I don't know what is. <laughs> But I had an older brother that was killed in a car wreck Whenever I was nine. Mm. I had a severe stutter. Like I could not get my name out whenever I'm first meeting someone. And we moved more than 20 times by the time I graduated high school. So I'm always the the new kid. I move out at 19, go to college, made it about a year. I drop out and I start to get traction in my mid-20s. But by the time I'm 33, I'm a widower. So no excuses and I'm gonna take it one step further. Don't use your life as an excuse. So at this time, I'm just trying to work harder. I'm, you know, got grit in my teeth that I'm not gonna quit but I didn't have the steps. And then a friend of ours tells us about Financial Peace University and we go to the class and we go nuts. Because now, because now I have the steps. You got a plan. Now I have a plan, and we are getting out of debt. And then we worked extra jobs. We drove junk cars. I took peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to work every single day. And it was just that moment of, I'm going to get out of this. Because whenever you would go from, how in the world am I ever going to get out of this? my wife dies, we lose our largest customer and I suffer near financial ruin and get remarried all in under 12 months. Hmm. So we're working the baby steps and so we have around $250,000 in two years so we're a debt-free except for house. Amazing. But our business still wasn't stable and and so it was still a struggle. But during that time... We hear about an entrepreneurial leadership one day and I fly to Georgia, go to the entrepreneurial leadership one day and back then they gave you a big box of books. And in that box was John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I had been in business for five years and I'd never read a book Because that wasn't how I thought about a business. A business was hard work and, you know, your work ethic and, you know, ah, we're going to muscle through this. So I took that book back and took my whole team through that book because I found out that I am the lid of my organization. So I have to grow in order for this to grow. And that was in 2008. And every one of those team members are still with us today.
1: Wow. So you had all this personal stuff while this business was starting to grow and you started to get it in a healthier place and set yourself up with a foundation. What were some of those leadership principles, entree leadership principles that helped you as a leader and a business owner?
0: Well, I was on a call and I got these three steps. Step number one, mission statement. Number two, core values. Number three, strategic priorities. Because whenever you have a mission, you know where you're going. Whenever you know what you stand for with your core values, then you can hire and fire based on the mission statement and the core values. Because what I was doing was hiring out of desperation. I need help and they need a job. Hey, it's a match made in heaven. This is perfect. And then they don't work as hard as you do. They don't do the job as well as, or even close to how you would do it. Well, who is the fool right here that is hiring all these crazy people? So we did a mission statement, core values, and then I started to hire the right people. So we were 13 years into business and I was the only salesperson for 13 years. So we finally... Hired someone to come and work in the office as an office administrator, and she could sell. So I took Dave's advice from Entre Leadership book, and I hired someone that had both integrity and the capacity to handle the job that I needed to delegate to them. Because I was making the mistake over and over hiring people with no integrity, and they didn't have capacity to handle the job. And then I'm mad at them because they can't do the job. So I hire this gal, Alisa Stokel. She's a go-getter, hard worker. I get the job done. And I'm delegate I am dumping everything on her because she has a capacity to, to do it. I was entering receipts, I was updating the check register, I was doing sales, bids, I was doing it all. But I realized That delegation is multiplication. It takes you from going five plus five to five times five. And all right, as I'm able to get this stuff off of my plate, I'm able to work on the business and not just in the business because I was on the treadmill. For 13 years.
1: Yeah. Our first stage of business, treadmill operator. You lived that out for a
0: long time. And that is no fun. That is no fun because it makes you despise the thing that you love to do because you have this heart to serve. You have this heart to bring excellence to the marketplace. But then you're on this dad blame treadmill and you begin to despise it. So I begin to delegate and that was a game changer because it had been basically me and three folks for uh, thirteen years. Now we're a local regional business. Um, we had worked our way up to a little over five hundred thousand in revenue. Okay, the year that we joined the elite program, we uh, did seven thirty in revenue. Wow! So it went from five hundred to seven thirty and then we outgrew our facility and we had to move. And I knew that these are the types of things that put people out of business. So I have the Entree Leadership Tribe that I can get wisdom and counsel what is the best way to do this. So I made a budget for our move. So we move, which was awesome. And we hired a second gal in the office, Elena, total rock star. So I have an office in the back, And now I have two ladies working in the office. So it's moving me further back from the front lines. And so we got together as a group, wrote our mission statement. You know, hey, what do you think our mission should be? What do you think our core values are? Because whenever you do it together, you create buy-in. This isn't me being a boss. Now, I have been a boss in the past. This is what we're gonna do and everyone's gonna like it. Things are about to change around here. And then it doesn't change because people don't have uh, the buy-in.
1: And you've, since you started, uh, you know, you've joined Elite and you've been in the program and following these Entree Leadership Principles, you have doubled your revenues, over doubled. Yes. In, yes. in the years. Yes. That's absolutely incredible. And
0: so 2020 comes, okay, and we all know what 2020 was. And uh, our, our goal that year was to finally break the million dollar ceiling, and then a uh, Corona hits and the shutdowns. And it's like, what's going to happen? So we got together as a group and I over communicated with where we're at and what's uh, going on. And which all these principles are things that I've learned from the On for Leadership book and, and from the elite coaching program. And I said, our first step is Sarah and I will not take a paycheck until this thing is over. So we didn't take a paycheck for about eight weeks. And everyone's going to cut back their hours by four. And uh, we're just going to hunker down and see what happens. Well, um, Texas is a pretty open state. So things were, you know, bars and restaurants were shut down for a few weeks, but we were able to continue our business. And then we landed three of the largest jobs we've ever had right in the middle of this pandemic pandemic. So, we were hoping to do a million that year, you know, finally break that ceiling. Well, we ended the year at $1.3 million. And it was like, I could not believe that I was able to go from the treadmill stage, just trying to make it, just trying to keep the doors open, to now I'm in the back working on the business and not in the business. And so it's been a wild, wild ride. Yeah.
1: So as we wrap here, I want you to speak to the listener who may be in that treadmill stage, who's trying to figure out how to get to the next level. And since you're living proof of these principles, what would you tell them that they need to be doing to get out of that treadmill phase and actually be working on the business?
0: Well, first of all, you have to grow yourself. You have to invest in yourself yourself because your organization will not outgrow you. So you have to hire the right folks. You have to delegate. You have to communicate over and over and over again. My job is I am the chief repeating officer. I have to repeat myself over and over again. And then you need to serve. And I have a sort of a saying that you have to be a servant warrior you actually be able to serve your team and your customer with the warrior spirit. There's a story that came out of the Civil War where there was a colonel that he was in charge of holding the ridge at a little roundtop, and it was just, just outside of a Gettysburg. And uh, the Battle of Gettysburg was the bloodiest battle of uh, the Civil War, more than 50,000 casualties. So it's the day two of fighting. All of the men are hungry, tired, war weary. But worst of all, the union is out of ammunition. And Colonel Chamberlain knows that he has to hold that hill. So he tells his men, put your bayonets on your weapons. And whenever I give the signal, we're gonna charge down the hill. So he was being a servant warrior for, for his team. So he yells, bayonets! And the union rushes down the hill with no ammunition towards the Confederates and they win the day. So be that servant warrior. Be that leader that your team will follow you into battle. Be that leader that they will follow you with no ammunition but you have such a mission. We will not lose this hill. So I ask, what is the line that you are holding? What is the hill that you are defending? Be the one that holds the line. Be the one that does not
1: quit. Be a servant warrior. Mm. Inspiring stuff, Stephen awesome story and I appreciate you coming on the podcast and exemplifying these principles and inspiring the leaders listening to to get to that next level and do what they need to do so I appreciate you being on with us
0: well it's been a privilege
1: huge thanks to Stephen for making the trip to Nashville and for sharing his story listen if you don't have the entree leadership book yet what are you doing it's time to get it To celebrate the 10th anniversary, we are giving away the audiobook read by Dave himself for free to the first 100 people. So stop what you're doing right now and go click the link in the show notes. When you get to that page, all you have to do is add the Entree Leadership audiobook to your cart and then apply the promo code 10 at checkout. That's promo code 10, T-E-N, to get the Entree Leadership audiobook for free. And if the code doesn't work, sorry, you're too late. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the show. If you did, leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. And we want to hear what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like, and what we could do better. Give us your feedback by clicking the link in the show notes to schedule a call with Tim, our producer. If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us at Entree Leadership. This episode was produced by Tim Hull, edited by Jacob Harrison and Bob Borquez, and mixed and mastered by Will Rudder. I'm your host, George Camel, and on behalf of the entire Entree Leadership team, thanks for listening. Until next time, keep learning and keep leading.